Is That Really in the Bible presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. Okay. Sometimes you don't like giving a sermon. <laughs> and if this sermon seems a little bit like I'm a little bit upset or angry, it's because I am. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I, I guess I have a, a right. I know I'm not angry at the world. I'm angry at religious people to a large degree. And I think Jesus got angry at religious people. In fact, I don't think he did. I know he did. And um, about a couple of weeks ago, I gave a uh, sermon. It was a rerun of an old program called Modern Day Pharisees. I told Sandy that. You know, I said, I ran, a new, I ran an old program, Modern Day Pharisees. He said, uh-oh. <laughs> and I'm telling you, for the past two weeks, I have been bombarded. It's been a bad past two weeks with, with correction, you know, d discipline, uh, criticism. And, you know, as human beings, you know, it, I don't know if we're all like this, but you know, I can get 20 good compliments, and it's the one criticism that I'll focus on. You know. But when you're bombarded with criticism, you know, it's like why soldiers can't be constantly exposed in battle. They have to be taken out eventually because you can only handle so much of that. And it was, it was a, you know, I, and, and again, if you do some of these things, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't saying, you know, don't do them. I was saying this is why I don't do these things, these, some of the, what I call modern-day Pharisees, why I don't wear tassels. Not that you can't wear them, but why I don't. And why I don't say the sacred names. You know, you can say them, but why I don't. And I mean to tell you, it was just one thing after the other. And after, after going through these two weeks, I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, give me a good Sunday-keeping church <laughs> where they talk about love, mercy, grace, forgiveness, and, and all these good things that I need. You know, not that I'm talking about abandoning the Sabbath. I mean, I can't abandon the Sabbath. I mean, I'll keep the Sabbath. But when it comes to a message, there are things I need to hear. And this wasn't it. Modern-day Pharisees. And... and it's a strange thing. The more simple-minded you are as a religious person, the easier it is for you to understand what's really important. Mm -hmm. yep. And the, dig, the, the more you dig, like digging up Hebrew roots, the more you dig, the more you search, the more truth you try to find, the more you try to get closer and just closer, the further away you get. Now, this is a reality. You don't have to believe me. I'm just telling you the truth. The more you dig, the further away you get from what's really important. And it's a strange thing. You would think that's not true. That couldn't be true. I'm trying to get close to God. And a lot has to do with the style for which you are trying to get close to God. The method for which you are trying to get close to God. 
But there are people, and I call them modern day Pharisees, who are obsessed with the law and obedience. They are obsessed with their own self-righteousness. Perfectionism is a word often used. How can I be perfect in my relationship with God? Performance-based religion. If I can just get all my performance down, you know, I, I will be right with the Lord. Now, what, what was really important to the Apostle Paul? In 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 1, I just want to pick up on something that he said here. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 1, and we're, we're asking, what was really important to the Apostle Paul? And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellently, excellency of speech or wisdom. Now, he could have. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He could have hit them with stuff that would have blew their mind. But verse 2, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why? Why that? Christ, I did, of all the stuff I could have brought to you, I determined to know a very simplistic thing. Christ Jesus died for your sins and my sins. Sin is the breaking of God's law. It's a very simple, simplistic. There's nothing complicated about it. Breaking the Ten Commandments. And this is what I determined to know. Christ was crucified for you. And again, I compare that with people who are obsessed with the law, uh, obsessed with their own self-righteousness, obsessed with perfectionism, obsessed with performance-based religion. So my message was modern-day Pharisees. A lot of them today. And the subtitle was, There was one group of people Jesus absolutely could not tolerate. The Pharisees. Today, we have modern-day Pharisees. And I guess that just didn't go over very well. It just didn't go over very well at all. And what irks me is, my audience in my mind, I never wanted these people to be my audience. And I understand why they are attracted to me. There are some areas where I talk about things that are right. You know, I talk about the Sabbath's right, the holy day's right, the dietary laws are, are right. And it is, it's, it's, it's a passion modern-day Pharisee, for being right. I've got something I can, and that's what was the attraction was with me. Because, I, not always, you know, a lot of times I'm wrong, but, you know, uh, but that, oh yeah, he, he's right, you know, Jesus didn't go to church on Sunday, and, and, and Jesus this, and that, and that, and that, and it was that, that, that attraction to, you know, the one thing they had in common is a love for the desire to be right. And these people go under titles like the Judaizer, Hebrew Roots Movement, Messianic Jews, Torah Observers. And I'm telling you, I'm fed up. I'm thinking about putting a disclaimer on my YouTube page. If you are one of these, 
Judaizer, Hebrew Roots Movement, Messianic Jews, Torah Observer, you may want to leave this channel. Just, just get it out of the way right up front. Just get it out of the way. These are not the people I want to attract. Okay? Let's make it clear. They're not the ones I want to attract. They're not the ones I want in this congregation. I'm not searching for them. I'm not looking for them. They have their religion. And I would say the feeling's mutual. <laughs> I, I see no difference between modern day Pharisees and what Jesus experienced 2,000 years ago. I see no difference. A love for the desire to be right, a perverted love for the law. We got all our doctrines right. And I, and I have one more person come up and, and try to tell me, look, I'm a Torah observer. I'm going to say, you are the biggest, can't say that, <laughs> liar I've ever met in all my life. You ever read the first five books of the Bible? Do you know what's in there? And, you know, okay, I'm, I mean, and I know some of this stuff in Leviticus, you know, we don't have a priesthood, we don't have a temple, and so therefore some of the ritualistic cleansings and things that went on there we don't do. But, you know, I was reading about the temple, uh, about the priest in the temple. If you served in the temple at the, as the priest, you couldn't touch any dead, dead, dead human or animal. And if your parents died, you couldn't go to their funeral. How'd you like to be a priest? Who would raise their hand for that one? Let me be a priest. I don't get it. You know, I don't really understand it, but, but it's in there. Now, I'm not saying, okay, that, that's, you know, okay, no temple, no priesthood. We understand that. But, but just, just, just this thing, you know, I'm a, I'm a Torah observer. What are these titles we give ourselves and why? Why on earth do we, now, again, I'm not knocking what I'm about to say. Don't nobody take this personally. But one time I saw a Facebook group, and, and, and again, I understand why some people don't eat out on the Sabbath. Okay, I understand that. But one time there was a Facebook group entitled, you could join this group, Sabbath Keepers. And right there you just eliminated yourself from about 50% of the earth's population that you will ever evangelize just by taking that title on yourself. But it was Sabbath keepers who don't eat out on the Sabbath. And right there, you've just eliminated yourself from about 99% of the earth's population that you will ever reach because you took that title on yourself. Why, why these titles? Why, what, what do they mean to us? What are we trying to establish? What are we trying to say by taking these titles on ourselves? Here's a good title I want to take. I'm a wannabe Christian, but boy, do I fail at it. I want to take that title. You know, and that, that, that would get some hits. Because there's some humility there with that. I'm a wannabe Christian, but boy, do I fail at it some, from time to time. You get all kinds of hits with a Facebook page like that. I think about how Jesus identified himself. Matthew 19 and verse 16. Matthew 19 and verse 16. And behold, one came and said to him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why do you call me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if you enter into life, keep the commandments. 
I want you to think about this one. Here is the Savior, God in the flesh, the Son of God. And he, he doesn't take the title good. Wrap your minds around that one. He doesn't take the title. He says, there is one good, that's my Father. This is not me, it's my Father. Okay. Jesus did not identify himself as good. There's one good, the Father. How did Christ have that kind of humility compared to us <laughs> and the titles we take on ourselves? I mean, think about that kind of humility. I guess you could have said, oh, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a Sabbath keeper. Don't eat out on the Sabbath. I'm a Torah observer. That's what I am. I want to read you some comments from my program. Modern day Pharisees. I forget what I said in there. Somewhere in the program I said about those that are least in the kingdom of God. You know. Those that would be called least, you know, and broke God's law and taught others to do so. This guy says, sorry, but the Babylonian pagan Sunday keeping Christians are not entering the kingdom. <laughs> Boy. No way. Ezekiel 20, 20. Keep my Sabbaths holy that you may, there be a sign between me and you that you may know that I am Yeshua or Elohim or whatever. Uh, Keep his Sabbath, you know, that includes the annual appointed feast days as well. People who claim Messiah to be their Savior and Master will be, while embracing pagan Easter, Christmas, Sunday, Trinity, etc., are part of the Babylonian false religion. They are not getting into Yahweh's kingdom. Now, we give other people titles also, like those old Babylonian false heathen Sunday keepers. <laughs> Can you, can you imagine, you know, how many times did Jesus do this? And now I know, I mean, maybe there weren't no Sunday keepers back then, but if, if Christ was with us here today, is that how he would address people who have already come this far in their relationship with God? You old Babylonian false heathen and Sunday keeping Christians, you ain't worth a nickel. Is, is that how he would address them? I don't think so. Now there's something about God that I learned a long time ago. Maybe it's time you learned it. That God deliberately blinds the eyes of some, of some people in order to do a greater work of outreach. Let me repeat that. God deliberately blinds eyes to do a greater work of outreach. I think of James Dobson ministry, focus on the family. Millions of people have been reached with his ministry, and it's a godly ministry of, of child rearing and, and, and rearing sons and daughters. You know, had God convinced him of the Sabbath and the holy days, James Dobson, how many people do you think he'd have reached? Very, very few. 
So it's better I keep him in the dark on this issue for right now. But I will minister in a great way and touch people's lives. Even though he's blinded in this area. Now for me to say that Dobson has a Babylonian false religion. (laughs) What resurrection will James Dobson come up in? I don't know and I don't care. What's that to me? I don't know what resurrection he's coming up in. I know this. He's done a great work. And God has used him. But there was a way God used him. Does this thought ever cross anybody's mind in this room besides me? Those who have the Babylonian false religion may be better at keeping the nine commandments than I am at the fourth. You ever think that? Or is it that, man, I keep the fourth and I just got all the other shebang. I mean, I'm just doing wonderful in all these other nine commandments. Let me repeat that. That those who have a Babylonian false religion may be better at keeping the nine commandments than I am at keeping the fourth. Here's another one, comment. Boy, it was comment one after another. I I dread it waking up in the morning. Got to read my comments about my program. Do the sisters in your assembly also violate the head covering ordinances found in the the Apostles Paul letter to the Corinthian saints during worship and during prayer and prophesying? Or do they keep their heads uncovered? Do the men cover their heads with hats? Again, I must ask, why do you Christians practice buffet religion? Man, that one I didn't even know. I thought, okay, it's a sin for a man to wear a hat in church. or I hope it's not a sin for a man to wear a hat on a construction site because a bunch of bald heads out there is what you're going to see. But, but, but I don't guess that's anything covering your head, but, you know. But, uh, um, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 15. I like this verse. It says, But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given for her for a covering. So it's her hair that's given her for a covering. Now, I don't know. Maybe that's easy to miss for some people, but it's, it's not for me. Her hair, her beautiful hair. Of course, Sandy got upset when Ansel cut her hair. <laughs> Ansel had this beautiful, thick Hair, beautiful color too, and she whacked it all off. You know, it was, it was her work. Is the reason she did it. You know, you don't want this stuff getting tangled up in, in the tractor, whatever. And so I talked about the principle of God's law remains the same, but the application can change. I talked about the building codes that, you know, do you build? You know, I felt like you know these guys kept on me about you. You got to wear a, if you're not wearing a tassel you're sinning and you're grieving the Holy Spirit of God you know that's something to tell somebody you're sinning you are sinning and you are grieving the Holy Spirit of God I take that stuff too personal I take it too personal I know but uh, you know I should ask some of these people have you built a railing on your roof of your house Bible says to build a railing on the roof of your house. Now, I didn't, I didn't ask you if you like it or not. I'm just asking, did you build a railing on your roof of your house? I don't care if it is an A-frame, A-frame house. Did you build a, roof, a railing on the roof of your house? Because that's what the Word of God says. 
And this, this got this comment back. Get this. My father put a railing around a roof of a three-story A-frame metal roof with at least an 812 pitch here in central Maine. <laughs> what am I talking about? I'm talking about modern-day Pharisees. That's what I'm talking about. That, I have no reason to believe he's lying. Catch the snow, yeah. <laughs> a frame, three story. And this was a three-story building. Compensation. You know, I sometimes think, I don't know, we do things that are easy to do. You know, I can wear a tassel, I could do that, I could start tomorrow. I can build a railing on my A-frame house. I, I'd probably like to do that just, just because I like to build stuff. <laughs> I could say the name Yeshua or whatever. What about the character of the man? What about the character of the man? I had one guy tell me, you should wear not only four tassels, but a cloak. <laughs> do you know where I would be wearing four tassels and a cloak at the end of my job? You know, I'd end up through the cement mixer and come out the other end, you know, like these cartoons where they go in one end, they come out flat on the other. That's where I'd end up at. We work heavy equipment. We pay outrageous workman's comp for, so that people don't get hurt on jobs in case they do get hurt. We can't tolerate this. It's a safety. It's a safety feature. I mean, it's a safety. We can't have stuff hanging off of people. Okay. But a cloak... Yeah, you should be wearing it. And he sent me four. He sent me a link. and <laughs> Sent me a link on Amazon for tassels. <laughs> I wrote the guy back and said, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. The principle of God's law remains the same. The application can change. I mean, we know that, uh, that, that, that we don't offer. Sacrifices a day because the principle of God's law, the shedding of blood cannot be for forgiveness of sin, but the application in the form of Jesus Christ coming to this earth and dying for our sin, that, you know, the, the principle remains the same. The application can change. Receiving the Spirit of God is a greater reminder than something I can wear. That's for me personally. And that's just my conviction. The day of Pentecost comes, says, said, I want to give you my spirit. And what's that spirit going to do? That spirit's going to write his laws upon my heart and upon your mind. So the principle remains the same. I want you to look at those tassels and remember the law of God, but the application can change. And that's what my conviction is. But boy, do people not like my convictions. And... Uh, you know, but I just sometimes think people maybe take the easier, you know, well, compensation. I can do this, but can I quit looking at pornography? I can do this, but can I quit the lust of the flesh? I can hang something off of me, but can I quit the lust of the flesh? So what's really important? Well, the character of the woman of a, of a man. 
Next one. You have got to say the name just right. Addressing God as Father is not good enough when you pray. Even though Jesus said, address me as Father. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's... Maybe some people didn't take English. I don't know. And, and, and they failed English. And they didn't, didn't realize that. And, uh, you know, and I gave the example of a, of a father, you know, and his son, his, his son is drowning in the water. And he says, Father, save me. And the father is up there. And he says, no, nope, I'm not going to save you until you get my name right. Until you say my name right. I'm not going to do it until you get it right. <coughs> You've got to know and say the name right. Sacred names. I don't mind sacred names. People using the sacred names. They can use them if they want to. But then you have the sacred names doctrine. And the sacred names doctrine says, you've, in order to be saved, you've got to say this name, Yah, or whatever. In fact, I asked a guy about that. I said, look, you believe in the sacred names doctrine? That in order to be saved, you've got to say that? And this, is, this is, was his response. To the saints that have not been enlightened as, the, as he has, as the true and proper name of the Father and the Son, I do not necessarily believe they are lost, although it's doubtful they will come up in the first resurrection. So that basically means him and a few other are coming up in that first resurrection, but the rest of it, we're just not coming up in it. I mean, the churches of God that are out there that are, that are across the United States, across the world, worldwide church of God, all across, though, because we don't have that name right, we're not coming up in the first resurrection. Okay, that's basically what he's saying. Uh, however, once you are enlightened by Yah and given the true understanding, it's important to be rebaptized in the name of the Son of Yeshua. Um... Now, I want to tell you something. It's an absolute fact without apologies. If we have people coming to this congregation who believe in the sacred names doctrine, not the sacred names, they can use the sacred names, but if they believe in that sacred names doctrine, number one, I'm going to find out, and number two, I'm going to ask them to leave this church. They are not tolerated here. There is nothing that can rip a church apart quicker than these people. Nothing. If you, and all it takes is this right here, a listening ear. It doesn't take a podium. It doesn't take in a congregation. Why do you think we have people that show up after services? I'll tell you why. It's got some, somebody listening. You know, to be a teacher, all you need is one ear. Just someone who listen. Pay those people no attention. No attention. I take it as a personal insult when someone shows up at the end of my service. How else am I supposed to take it? As a compliment? Ah. <laughs> uh, Revelation 19 and verse 12, his eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had many witness, many writings that no man knew but he himself. A name written, excuse me, I can't read. Okay, he had a name written that no man knew but himself. Okay, what does that tell Where does that put the sacred namers right there? Jesus says, I'm returning. No man knows but himself, but Christ Jesus, he knows it, but no man knows it. Okay, so that just blows out of the water sacred name issues. 
Hmm. All right. Good point. And I, I know you brought that up before, but it's good to re, you know, restate that, that nowhere through the scripture is it a specific name. Yeah, nowhere in scripture is it a specific a name. Is a, name. Is a meaning. Yeah, right. One of the things you want to do, I mean, I don't know if you associate with some of these groups but or some of these people, but one of the things you might want to ask is, uh, do you have the spirit of Jesus Christ? And they will be offended because, guess why they'll be offended? Because you use the word Jesus Christ. You might want to just ask that question. Do you, do you have the spirit of Jesus Christ dwelling in you? See what happens. Daniel Botha, a minister in the church, probably been ministering 40 years, I talked to him. He said, you know, I've never met one of these Messianic Jews that was truly converted. That's quite a statement to make about being 40 years in the ministry. Never met one that's truly converted. <clears throat> so what's really important? Well, what Paul said was not really important is, is, is important. In Galatians 1 and verse 13, for, I have heard you, for you have heard of my conversation in times past in the Jews' religion, how that I, beyond measure, I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. You know, I'm not saying that these things that people do are, are, are wrong or anything like that, but when it comes to this obsession of, of digging up Hebrew roots, Paul says, you've heard of my conversation in times past in the Jews' religion. We're not putting, you know, new wine in old wineskins or whatever. What's really important? Okay. You know, there came a day when Jesus said, I think it was to Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's what's important, to know who Jesus Christ is. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. What's really important, John 3 and verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. What's really important? Ephesians 2 and verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. I understand that. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Romans 8 and verse 9, what's really important? But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. I want to tell you about a tale of a church. It's not a tale of a church. It's actually the truth about a church. It was called the Worldwide Church of God. It had 8 million magazines that went out worldwide, the Plain Truth magazine, 8 million subscription. It had three colleges. It had 140,000 members. It had a full-time ministry at every corner of the world. It had radio and television that blanketed the globe. I remember my father sitting out listening. You know, you could just pick it up anywhere. You know, the World Tomorrow Program on AM radio. 
1988, it had 800 congregations in 100 countries. What happened to them? Well, they became Grace Community Church. Most of them abandoned the faith. What happened to them? Here's what happened to them. They were convinced, but never convicted. They were convinced, but never convicted. And there's a big difference. You know, people can convince you of anything. I mean, they really, especially if they're charismatic, they can come along and convince you of something. You see, convic conviction always leads to repentance. Conviction always leads to repentance. I want to read this little story. John 8 and verse 4. They said to him, here were some people that were convinced of a woman that needed to die. They said to him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Couldn't find that man, though. I thought it took two. Maybe that's just my imagination. But, uh, now Moses and this is what they're convinced of. Now Moses and the law commanded us that we should be that, that that she should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not, not paying them a bit of attention. They were convinced of the law. They were convinced they had Jesus. <laughs> they had him when it hurt. And so when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said to them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, being at the elders even unto the last. last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. You see, conviction always leads to repentance. And I want you to think about this. Here were people that, these people were ready to kill this woman because they were convinced of what they knew about the law of God. But, but whatever this miracle was, and I, I believe that he was connecting up names as far as what he was writing, they would look at that and they would say, but that, that, that's, that, that's that adulterous affair that I had. I can't, I can't pick up a rock and kill this woman who is guilty of the same thing I have done. And they walked out one by one, humbly, in repentance. Repentance. Forced repentance, I have to admit. Probably unwilling repentance, but they, they just couldn't do it. Are they truly, are these people truly convinced, convicted that they need to be, uh, the things they need to be convicted of? Head coverings, tassels, names, sacred names. Those Babylonian pagan Sunday keeping Christians. Are we convicted of the right things? Are you a, just another person who is just convinced of a bunch of truths? Or are you convicted? Conviction always leads to repentance. And repentance does not lead to arrogant, boastful, pride, set, you know, 
set in the truth that you have. And it doesn't lead for a disdain for other people. It leads to humility. Now, I want to say something here. You might want to write this down. It's almost scripture. Just kidding. But it will help you identify people and working with people. A person without conviction must convince all others they are wrong. A person without conviction must convince all others they are wrong. They can't live with themselves at peace. In other words, these things that I mentioned, I said, I'm not knocking people that do that, but they can't live with their tassels. They can't live with this thing over here. They can't live with their sacred name. They can't just live and do it. They have got to somehow convince you that you've got to do it. And that's one of the telltale signs of a truly repentant person. You can live with it. I don't have to convince you. I just do it. They cannot live with themselves at peace. They cannot live peacefully with what they are convinced of. Why? Because it's, no, it's not conviction. And beware, just a warning here, just beware of some of these groups with, sometimes they have these charismatic leaders who are so convincing. They are so convincing. Boy, he's convincing. Man, he's charismatic. Man, he can sing and dance and play the guitar and he can do it all at the same time. And, and just, he's, he's convincing. And, and, but you, wanna, you just need to be aware of that. A person without conviction must convince all others that they are, that they are right themselves. So what's really important? Well, I've already been through it. To know Jesus Christ. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. For by grace are you saved. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be the Spirit of God dwells in you. And it's a strange thing. The deeper we go into religion, the deeper we go into truth, the deeper we dig, the more we lose sight of what's really important. So are you convinced or are you convicted? And do we have the humility that goes along with that? Do we have the humility to, to throw our stones down and say, I can't, you know, I can't. I can't do that. That kind of humility to throw, throw our stones down and say, I, you know, I'm guilty of the same thing. Do we have that kind of humility? So are you convinced or are you truly convicted? And let's pray that God would give us all in this room the kind of conviction that we need and the kind of humility that goes along with it in dealing with other people. If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia 24151. 
or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.